The scripture this morning comes from Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 53. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. So we have this this scripture, and it is Luke's version of the Great Commission uh, going on here. The, the last thing Jesus offers to his disciples before ascending into heaven and going on. This is a post-resurrection sighting that the disciples have, one of, one of many that is recounted. Uh, and in the last few moments, Jesus captures the important things for the disciples and by extension you and me need to remember. And what is, what's great about this is Jesus comes to them and in a moment he opens their, it says that he opens their minds to understand the scriptures from Moses and the law and the prophets and the Psalms. And part of that is Luke, Luke has an agenda of making sure when someone reads his gospel that they understand that there is a thread of continuity from the God of the Old Testament, the God of Moses, the God of Jacob, the God of, of Isaac and uh, Abraham, that that same God and the Scriptures that tell us of that God, that there is absolutely no incompatibility with those Scriptures and that God and Jesus Christ. And furthermore, that it continues, that thread of continuity continues on into the early church as recounted for us by Luke in the book of Acts. And, and what Luke wants to point out is just that God was at work in the Old Testament drawing people to Him. God is at work in the Gospel through Jesus Christ. And God continues to be at work in the early church. And uh, God has been there throughout what we call, and this is Luke's version of, of what we in the biz call salvation history, right? How God has worked toward the salvation of all people from the very beginning on through Jesus and continuing on through the early church. And so he says here, he opened their minds to understand the old scriptures, the past, and all that God had been doing and all that God is doing in Christ now and all that God will continue to do and then he goes on to say that forgiveness that repentance and forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed 
throughout the world, beginning in Jerusalem and later on in Acts, he kind of retells this same story and he says from, from Jerusalem on to Samaria and Judea and to the whole of the world after that. And that includes, that's, that last part includes you and me, obviously, or we wouldn't be here, amen? <laughs> and, you know, we often hear this, that the, the proclamation uh, comes that, that what the disciples will be sh- will, are about is sharing repentance and forgiveness. And, and we often immediately go in our minds to mean that we, what this means is the disciples are supposed to go around saying to everybody, okay, you repent and get re- forgiveness. You repent and get forgiveness. You repent and get forgiveness. And, and that may have been what, what they did, but I, I, I dare say that it would, it would do, be- we would do better in the postmodern church here today to read it as being a directive of our own behavior as a, of how we are in the world uh, in other words to live out repentance and forgiveness by simply doing this when you do something wrong when I do something wrong uh, I am to uh, admit it confess that to my, you know, admit it to myself first. Yes, I did that and I shouldn't have. Do what I can to make it right. Ask forgiveness and then don't do it again. Do my best to not do it again. And I, when someone has wronged me, ought to forgive them. And so if we, you know, instead of seeing it as a proclamation of we must go out and cause other people to repent, which is often what we've done throughout uh, our church history, rather than feeling the, uh, the burden of everyone else's repentance, to let that scripture kind of, let that command kind of focus in on yourself and live that out. I think that will serve us better as we go about proclaiming the gospel. And that's what this next section says. It says, you will be my witnesses to this. You will attest to this. I think of witnesses... I think of uh, Perry Mason, which is going back a little while, you know. Perry Mason was great because uh, uh, I, I don't know if he was much of a lawyer, but he could, he would always, he'd usually win the case by sticking the guy that was guilty up there and then somehow getting him to confess on the, on the witness stand. That never happens, but it was, it made for great TV. But anyway, P- Perry Mason, when you had a, you had a witness, what a witness does is, is tells what you have seen, what you have experienced, and nothing more, right? The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, right? And so when Jesus says, you are my witnesses, uh, what He is conveying to you and me is we're obligated to share what we have experienced and what what we have seen in Jesus Christ. Nothing more. Nothing less, <laughs> but nothing more. I think we get hung up on this, on this notion of how we go about sharing our faith. And we get, we, you know, words like evangelism or even witnessing and all of those things, those are pretty intimidating and loaded words. Um, but I think if we can reduce them back to their original intention, again, what a witness does is shares 
what they saw, what they experienced. And that's all that we are asked to do. And I'm begging you, just do that, please. Don't do more. (laughs) Because it's when we think we have to do more than that is when we start looking bad, is when we start looking judgmental, is when we start looking arrogant, is when we start looking like we know it all, and it's when we start looking like we're looking down on the rest of the world. How many of you kind of experienced that in church before? Right? <laughs> well, it was really rhetorical. I guess I shouldn't ask <laughs> for a raise of hands. But yes, often we have experienced this kind of thing in the church. But if we stick to these rules, right? Let repentance be something you do, not something you point to others to do. Let forgiveness be a rule. And let your witness be limited to that which you know and have experienced and uh, have seen in Jesus Christ. Man, we'll be, we'll be doing well. And there's some, great, there's some great witnesses in the Bible. I think of... There's a, do you remember the story of the Samaritan woman at the well? Jesus comes. He meets this Samaritan woman. He's not supposed to be talking to women, but he does anyway. Jesus. You know, what a rebel. <laughs> but he talks to this woman at the well, and uh, he, he asks her for a drink, and she gives him a drink, and she's perplexed by this whole thing. And they start talking, and pretty soon Jesus starts to, say, starts to get all up in her business and says, you know, I know, she, 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 he says, go, go bring your husband so I can meet him. And she says, well, I have no husband. He goes, I know you don't have a husband. And in fact, the guy you're living with isn't your husband, and you've had a lot of husbands, haven't you? And, <laughs> and for some reason, and I don't know why this, uh, you know, we don't, this is a personal exchange between this woman and Jesus. And that, that moment just opened her eyes and said, my goodness, you must be a prophet or the Messiah even. And, and, he, and this is the first person Jesus ever admitted this to. He said, yes, I am. Jesus never tells anybody that. Just this woman. And she runs off and she goes and tells this story to the whole town. And the Bible tells us that this entire town believed because of this woman's testimony. Now she didn't know. She was a Samaritan. She didn't know... Uh, theology. She didn't know ancient Hebrew. She didn't know all of the Christology that has gone into who Jesus was and what Jesus was about. All she knew was that Jesus had somehow given some insight into her life and that's all that she said and the whole town believed because of it. Amen. Another good one was the, the blind guy who, uh, this, the blind guy who got healed uh, of his blindness, and he went around shouting about that to everybody. And uh, and the Pharisees tried to get him to admit that that something that he's lying about it. Like you you weren't blind, you weren't really blind. And then his parents came and said he was blind, but he's been blind since birth. But you know, ask him. He's of age. Go ask him. And and they keep pressing him, and and he goes, Why do you keep bugging me about this? Do you want to follow him too? Which insult? So, you know, they get really mad at that, and he. They said, we know he is a blasphemer. We know he is, a, he is lying. Tell us what happened. He goes, look, I don't, this is what he said, I don't know who this guy is. 
I don't know if he is the Messiah or not. All I know is I once was blind, but now I see. End of story. And people believed because of his testimony. He didn't know. I don't, he, he didn't know if it was the Messiah or not. He didn't care. He could see. That's all he cared about. And that's all he was sharing at that moment in spite of everyone pressing him to share more. It's difficult to share one's faith from it. But I, here's, some, here's some tips, I think, as we go around. Because I think we, I think we need to. People need to know, particularly in this community, people need to know that we are people of faith. And by that, I don't mean, you know, we need to go and start converting people and dragging them to this church, although it wouldn't kill you to bring a friend once in a while. <laughs> but that isn't what I'm getting at. But people need to know that we, because we're great, we're great people, like right? we're very approachable. We're very easy to talk to, this group of followers here. We're, we're, a great, we're fun, right? And so people need to know, people you know and love, they need to know that you're a person of faith. That you are a follower of the way. And that somehow that, and that helps guide your life. And that is helpful in your life. I think we need to, to feel free to share that because it's giving God the glory. Amen? It's giving God the glory. But here's some, here's some, some things, I guess some, some rules of thumb to follow. Uh, I think it is best, we are sharing our faith best when it comes from a place of authenticity. Right? When we're not trying to do more than, you know, say more. You know, when we're just saying, you know, this is what, this is what I experience. This is what I have come to understand for myself. And, and it, this is what genuinely happens to me when I pray. This is what genuinely I experience in worship. I don't know what you will experience. I don't know what you're looking for. But this is what I am experiencing. And it comes from that authentic place. And be honest about it. You don't have any weirder ideas than anyone else, quite frankly. So don't be scared of your strange ideas. Uh, go ahead and share how God works in your life because we're all a little bit different also here's the here's the tough part is it has to be a conversation it can't be a lecture it has to be a conversation which means we got to take the earwax out of our ears and listen to what other people have to say about God and this can be this can be a difficult thing because sometimes we hear you know sometimes people have an agenda of of sharing their faith in a way that is trying to persuade you that your faith is wrong. Now, I don't know that we have to engage in that. Which brings us to the other, the other thing I would say is that this conversation, this listening to other people's experiences and sharing our own, it is done best in the context of a loving, trusting friendship, relationship, right? Uh, an impersonal witness is useless as far as I'm concerned. You know, I, I, I went to Weber State College. It was college for a while and then became a university. But um, uh, I went there and there was this guy. I, we used to call him the going to hell guy. Because he would, he would drag a cross 
to the, to the center of campus. He would drag this big giant cross and he would, sta- he would stand there and hold this cross and yell at everybody as they passed by him, you're going to hell! You're going to hell! And people would talk, either people would sit there and laugh at him and make, make jokes at his expense or they would get into a big argument with him. Here's what, here's what never happened. Never did anyone come up and go, oh my gosh, I am going to hell! pray with me (laughs) nobody ever did that not one i guarantee you not one person was brought to new life through the going to hell guy it's because he didn't care about who was there i mean you know i mean he didn't know any of us we didn't know him he didn't know us well it was just completely out of context and i i and mean spirited i thought but anyway, it made for an interesting college experience. So the, the other thing about this is, you know what? I don't know is a legitimate response. You know, I don't know. There's a lot of... I'm a, I have a degree in biblical studies. Right? I'm, a, I'm a smart theologian. And there's so many things about faith and God heaven and how God works in the world that I don't know. I mean, there's a lot I don't know. Problem of it. Why is there so much evil in the world? You know what? I don't know. I don't know. But here's how I experience God and how God helps. You know, it's okay. In fact, I think it's freeing when someone can ask us something and we can say, I don't know, but you know what? I don't worry too much about those questions. I work on the stuff I do know. <laughs> and, and really struggle with that a lot of the times. The beauty of what Jesus says in our text today, the nice thing is that He gives us this commission. He says, you are my witnesses. You know, we, the whole Word needs to get out about how God has been working how God is working, and how God continues to work in the world. Word needs to get out about that. But, you don't have to just come up with it all yourself. Go to Jerusalem and wait. And I will send the power from on high. This is next week. It's Pentecost, right? When the Holy Spirit comes. And it is the Holy Spirit that ultimately moves us to a place of witnessing right we don't have to do, in, in other words uh don't do something stand there right which you don't usually hear <laughs> don't do something stand there and wait for the leading of the holy spirit right wait for the spirit to say you know what this, here's an opportunity here's where it feels right here's here is someone who would benefit from your prayers from your sharing about how God is working in your life and you see God working in their life, you know, let the Holy Spirit be your guide because that's what Jesus promised. You don't have to do this on your own. I'm sending the Holy Spirit so that you will not have to bear the burden of, of worrying about everybody. Just let the Spirit guide you to where you need to go and open up yourself to that leading. And when it says, when the Spirit says go, 
then go and share and pray and divulge, right? So again, God has been, has been reaching out from the very beginning. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, through Moses and the law, through the prophets, through the Psalms. God reaching out to share love for creation and for God's greatest creation, all of humanity, and continues to reach out through Jesus Christ who came and manifest and, and uh, um, what's the churchy word I'm looking for here? Uh, the, the, oh, never mind. Anyway, Jesus <laughs> was, was really cool. <laughs> and lived out that love of God um, incarnated, that's the word I was looking for, was the incarnation of God's love. And at the end of this Scripture, Jesus goes home to God, and the incarnation is no longer in Jesus. But it's in you and me through the Holy Spirit. And continues, God continues to reach out to this hurt and broken world around us, trying desperately to share God's love through you and me. That's what it's ultimately about. And that's what you're witnessing to every time you follow Christ in the way, every time you seek God's guidance, every time you share what God is doing in your life. And I pray that the Spirit will indeed guide us all to be faithful witnesses to what we have seen and known and experienced in God through Jesus. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, I thank You for this day. I thank You for all that You have done, all that You are doing, and all that You will do as we go from here. Uh, may Your Spirit guide us, and may we be faithful and eager witnesses to all that You are about. We ask this in the precious and powerful name of Christ. Amen.